Welcome back to part two of our breakdown of PFF's top 10 draft prospects of the 2024 NFL draft. We are going to be talking all about six through 10, all that and more coming up on the house call. Welcome back into the Gridiron segment. My name is Kyle. I'm joined by Joe and Sammy. We are going to be talking all things NFL draft number six through 10 on PFF's big board. Before we get to that, I've got to shout out our amazing sponsor at Vivid Seats. Look, football season might be over, but I have good news. There are other sports people. Spring training has just kicked off. There's basketball in full swing. Hockey is so, so, so good right now. So you have got to get yourself to a sporting event. There is some kind of team you can go check out. I know there is. Is, and you've got to use the best ticket buying platform on the market. I am talking about, of course, Vivid Seats. We are talking about guaranteed tickets, the best prices you will see. And if you use the link in our description, you will save yourself even more money. So get yourself to a sporting event and get your butt in a seat using Vivid Seats. Thank you to Vivid Seats for sponsoring this episode. Now, we have got to talk about these draft prospects. So I'm going to throw it right to Joe, who's going to pull up the PFF big board. We are talking, of course, about number six, Rome Adunze. I have been excited. False. It has oh, changed. No. It is Joe Alt. It is Joe Alt now. Kyle oh, just realizing this for the first time. They bamboozled you, Kyle. They bamboozled, bamboozled you. you. Those right damn at PFF. Joe Alt is currently our number six. Roma Duze is still in the top ten, and we will discuss that soon, obviously. But we are going to go ahead and start with Joe Alt now. There are a few things that have been certain since the dawn of time, essentially, in this draft, is that, you know, tons of quarterbacks are going to go in the first round. Marvin Harrison's the best prospect in this draft, and Joe Walt is the number one tackle in the draft, bar none. He was rated as the second best tackle in the league in the NCAA this year. He's got a 90.7 grade on the season now. Everyone says PFF's uh, offensive line grades are a little wonky, but you know what? I've watched tape on Joe Walt. He 100% deserves this. He's also a massive human being at 6'8", 322. He is everything you want in a starting tackle in the NFL. He's only 21 years of age, so you could be locking down the blind side of your offensive line for a long, long time. But let's go ahead and get into the statistics here a little bit. Joe Alt played 12 games, one sack, two hits, two hurries, all at the left tackle position, 697 snaps, 885 the year before. He only he didn't did not give up a single sack last year. Gave up six hurries, and you know if you look at Notre Dame's schedule, the issue a lot of people have with Notre Dame's schedule is that they pick and choose who they play. They are not affiliated with any conference, which I think is stupid. I think that they should be affiliated with the conference. If you're not affiliated with the conference, you shouldn't be able to play in a bowl game. But I digress. <laughs> they do have you know they have to play some respectable teams, so you do get to see them go against some really tough talent. You know Ohio State. Uh, they had USC. They did have a, a Clemson there. So, I mean, they played some tough, tough talent here and there, but most of the time they're playing people like, you know, I believe that's Central Michigan, Navy. I believe that's LSU on there, maybe. <laughs> so, I mean, they did play some decent games, but Joe Alt is 110% the guy you want locking down the left tackle spot on your offensive line. If your team is drafting in the top 10 and you're not looking for a quarterback, but you need some offensive line help, this is the guy. Like 110%. Do not get it twisted at all Kyle I know you and I like to use that phrase quite a bit but, but Joe Alt is that guy he's very very good so I'm going to go ahead and kick it to Sammy here Sammy obviously you know the Dolphins have had up and down offensive lines I know you're a huge no. Dolphins fan and uh so what better person to start with than a guy who who probably would love to have Joe Walt locking down the left the Tua Tagovailoa's blind side huh man look Look, uh, I'm not going to lie. Our blind side is at the right tackle position, so that's a bit of a... So <laughs> I don't know how... I, if, if, Joe if Joe Alt can do a better job than Austin Jackson, then I will gladly take him. Austin Jackson did have a breakout year this past year, so I'm not going to say get rid of the guy, but what I am going to say is Joe Holt, Joe Alt, rather is a physical monster, but it's actually the most technically sound tackle I think I've seen at his size. He does not throw his weight around like you'd expect somebody who's 6'8 and 300 pounds to do. The man is technically sound, and it's actually insane. So 
like, like Joe said it best. Like if you're going to, if you need a left tackle, which I can guarantee you a lot of teams in the first 10 picks need offensive linemen. This is the guy to get. Now, ironically enough, I've seen a lot of mock drafts say that this guy is going to slip a bit, you know, to the 10th pick and that Olu Fashano is probably a better overall prospect to get because he's, you know, more, I guess, versatile. Look, you cannot teach one sack in two years. Okay. You, you just can't teach that. Now, on top of him being a great pass blocker, he's a mauler on the run. And he's, like I said, 6'8", 300 pounds. He can move on top of all of that. That is ridiculous. How, how, how can somebody 6'8", be 300 pounds and move that fast? Zion Williamson, I thought was an anomaly. Here comes Joe Alt completely, you know, destroying the laws of physics. I think if you're if you're a franchise that needs a tackle, you draft Joe Alt. There are no questions asked. I understand a lot of people like Olufashano. I understand that, but you gotta understand this. We're dealing with somebody who's a physical freak. He's one of the most technically sound tackles we've ever seen. I understand Olufashano. I even understand there's a guy from from Oregon State, Talis Fuagu. He's great too. Joe Alt is levels above. And look, Notre Dame, again, is one of those places where they breed offensive linemen consistently. They really do. <laughs> Joe Alt, Joe Alt has the potential to be they better than some of the best offensive linemen to come out of Notre Dame. It helps that he's 6'8", 300 pounds. It helps also that Notre Dame is a factory for offensive linemen. So... I, I don't know what exactly GMs are thinking to do at the offensive line position, but if Joe Alt's not at your draft board and you need a tackle, you're kind of psychotic. That's all I'm going to say about that. I mean, it's perfect. I mean, it's a perfect breakdown of him. I mean, that's everything that anyone who's watched him would say. The funny thing is, if he does fall, it just means that a better team who needs left right. tackle help is going to get him. And so you're basically what you're talking about now is you're talking about a guy who could fall because of someone, some value. And at that point, he goes somewhere that is going to make them significantly better because, like you said, he's an all-around left tackle guy. He is he is probably the best, most technically sound, just massive human being who can like do everything at the left tackle position you would want them to do. No teaching necessary. This is a plug-and-play day one starter. And basically, I, and I know I've been saying a lot in the chat. You guys have seen me say this a lot in the chat. Top 10 picks don't sit. You do not draft someone in the top 10 that you sit. It is it is the weirdest thing in me when I look and I see people say, oh, you know, this team's thinking about getting this guy, but they're going to want him to sit behind a veteran for a little while. Why? Why would you draft that person at that position and then sit them? If you were looking for a left tackle and you need to teach them something in the top 10, that is not the left tackle for you people. Let's be fair. Joe Walt is the left tackle for you. So Kyle, I'm going to go to you here on this one, man. You're you're a Bears fan. They may have a shot at this guy. He's he's in that range where if he falls a little bit, you know. And let's be fair, the Bears. I, I know it'd be a, a it's a lot sexier of a pick, right? To have one in nine and get a quarterback at one, and then get get a wide receiver at nine. But if you were to get, <laughs> you know, a quarterback at one and get Joe Alt at nine, now you've solidified the blind side with probably the best tackle we've seen in the draft in, in years outside of maybe uh, you know, I, I'm blanking on his name right now. And I can't believe I'm doing this again. Uh, Detroit lions. Penny Sewell. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. about to bring out Penny Sewell because what did the, what did the lions do? They didn't make the sexy pick. They went with the best offensive tackle in the draft. And what did they get? An amazing offensive tackle. And in a in a part time tight end who can catch balls, <laughs> and an, insane end, an insane tight end. Oh my god! And see, my perfect draft gets you a Marvin Harrison Jr. at two, get you a Joe Alt at nine. That's my perfect draft. I've said it before. <laughs> I'll say it again. That is my perfect draft. I digress. There is one word to describe Joe Alt to me, and that is perfect. That is perfect. He not only has unreal technique. He not only has unreal physicals, just unbelievable physical phenom. It can't be overstated. Comes from an NFL pedigree. Like he is the son of John Alt, the like 
all-time great Chiefs offensive lineman. He understands what it means to be in the league. Like he's not going to be out of his depth like some of these, you know, draft prospects we see that have a lot of talent but sometimes get caught up in the star, get caught up in all of that. Joe Alt is not going to be like that. He is uh I cannot speak highly enough about Joe Alt and if the Bears get Joe Alt, woo, I'm a happy camper. I mean, I think anyone at the end of the day, I mean, there, there's always people who are fans of teams who are like, oh, I want the sexy pick. I want the I want the big boom pick, you know? And I think that true football fans, people who actually look at their team and know, right? You see what they are. You see what they need. If you were to get Joe Walt, that is a building block on the offensive line. There is no way that your offensive line is not better than it was last year outside of like maybe three teams who will never even have a shot at Joe Walt unless they trade and mortgage their future to go get him. He will be that guy. And I, I honestly would not be upset if I was a fan of any team drafting and, you know, in this range that would get Joe Walt. And there's even rumor of Brock Bowers, like we said, dropping and Joe Walt going earlier because, you know, you think about the chargers and what the chargers need in this life, you know, like, like in this, I say in this life, but in this sort of thing, you know, Justin Herbert needs protection and Joe Alt solidifies that, that for you. So it would not surprise me for the chargers to go with him instead of something else. So that's kind of where I'm at right now, but we're going to talk about a guy who I think is an overreach. At seven, I think this is this is the first guy on PFS big board that I have a huge issue with, and I've had an issue with it all year because I don't think he's even in the conversation of top five corners coming in this draft. Ooh. I don't Ooh. even think he's in that conversation. Mm. Cooper DeGene out of Iowa has not ran his forty yet. I, I don't know if he's going to run a forty at the combine. I he I've I uh, was checking out the NFL combine stuff. We have not seen any corners run a three cone drill yet. He's six foot one, two hundred seven. He runs a four five forty. He has played multiple positions in press and and, and zone coverage as well as uh, just man to man, but he's never played safety. Unfortunately, at four or five in the NFL, you are not playing corner. It's just not happening. I'm sorry, it's it's not going to work. You are he is a safety, but he's never played safety. So he's this is for a guy who is going to end up having to play out of a position of what he is valued at, right? Plus, he played in the Big Ten. The Big Ten is not known for speed. Okay, let's be 100% clear. As a Big Ten guy, I've been a Big Ten guy my whole life. They they don't generate burners. I think the closest thing, you know, there, there, there's been a couple, but they don't generate just absolute burners, right? Ohio State has, has put out a couple of wide receivers recently that are that are pretty good. But that's realistically the only school in the Big Ten that has any sort of speed to it. And even then, when you put them up against an SEC team, they usually get ran off the fucking field. Because <laughs> they just they're not they're not fast enough, right? So Cooper DeGene, I think he padded his stats like but you even see there in, in the score, like in from 2022 to 2023, he has regressed. Now is that scheme, is that fit, you know, or is he just finally getting to this position where you know he he's not as good as what you'd hope to be? I mean, he didn't have an overly hard schedule. I mean, look at this. Who's who's the the team that you're looking at here that had had killer talent? Who, who's who's on here that's got a wide receiver going somewhere? I don't see a single first-round wide receiver in that. Yeah, not a single first-round wide receiver. I mean, so he regressed against subpar talent. That man coverage grade is alarming. Isn't it, though? His zone, his coverage grade is okay. His completion percentage when targeted is good. His zone coverage is good. But you know what this, this sort of reminds me of? This looks like like a Miles Bryant type guy. Oh no. Here we go. Doesn't it? Like like think about it. A zone, a guy who can cover plays zone very well, lines up in the slots, probably his best position if he's a corner, doesn't have the elite speed to keep up with guys, uh, you know, maybe the short area quickness isn't there. But well, he has he has good like his reactions kind of vary. Like like sometimes he's quick to react and sometimes you see a corner or a wide receiver do a comeback route and he doesn't react till the QB throws the ball. But the thing is, he has such great athletic traits that he might transition to safety. He could, with the right training, transition to safety seamlessly. Now, 
The athletic traits help with that. The problem is we haven't seen it. And when you don't see, you you like have a, a kind of doubt, a skepticism, if you may, if he can adapt. Um, as a corner, look, I don't trust him as a corner, but if you put him in a scheme where it's a more coverage-based, he can work, he can fit. But that's the problem. In a in an era where man is more popular than ever, he's not a corner that you take. I mean, I'll say it. This cornerback class is is good. I I think there's there's a couple of guys who can be bona fide number one corners in the league. The bottom line is this: I don't think he's a better corner than the other corner we're going to discuss. And even the corner that's outside the top ten, I don't think he's better than. I think saying he's outside of top five is a bit of a stretch. I think in coverage, he's good enough to where you can say, you know what? He's good in coverage. He's very athletic. He should not be listed as a corner, in my opinion. He's more of a defensive back. And that's kind of why I think some of the teams that are going to be later in the first round or early in the second are going to take a swing at him. So, look, this is the first white corner we're going to have since 2002 so we're gonna give him a shot anyway okay you got no business running with them boys all right you got no business running with them boys that's but crazy no, I agree. no business running is crazy I, I i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest with you right i agree that he's a safety or a defensive back though that's what he is he's never played it but i do believe his skill set could allow him to transition the learning curve may be there honestly i think that if your team needs a safety this guy could probably be one of the, is probably the best safety who's never played or you know in this draft even though he's never played safety i think he's better than the other guys i think sa this safety class is weak and if you look at cooper DeGene, you're like hey we need a guy who can play that and we value that position very highly and we think this could be the guy then go get him but this is not like that is not where you take a guy at seven right like he he should not be on the big board at seven i just like nate wiggins ran a 428 today in the 40 yard dash quinion mitchell ran a 433 those are my top two corners. Not in that order. I think Quinion Mitchell's CB1. Like, don't get me wrong. He is, I, I watched him at the Reese Senior Bowl. I've watched the tape. That guy literally looks like the second coming of Darrell Revis. He just glues to people, runs route for him, knows exactly where he's at. And like I said, he he lined up with uh, with Roman Wilson. And Roman Wilson in one-on-ones was toasting every corner he went up against at the Reese Senior Bowl. Quinion Mitchell was in his hip pocket and ran routes for that guy. <laughs> three times and we were saying that roman wilson had probably one of the best recent senior roles at the wide receiver position we've seen in a hot minute when it comes to upping your draft stock so the fact that he did that while roman wilson was getting his flowers that's insane but again you know kyle i'll go to you on this one man we have seen this story play out before and i honestly like i i think he can be a good player i'm with sammy i think that if he can translate the safety you know he or you know he's a slot guy but you think if some of these slot wide receivers right now these are explosive guys now like you can't be slow and you know he may have been able to be serviceable in that respect in college but the speed's different at the nfl level and that's what concerns me about him playing anything but safety no absolutely and and the thing is if he can transition into safety my comp for him is like a tyron matthew like he can be that good He's in, he's, he's got those instincts. Like you said, Sammy, the biggest concern is that speed though. Like the, and the man coverage grade really shows if you're struggling with that speed in the big 10, like, come on, you, you can't be doing that. I don't necessarily know. It, it's such a, it's such a coin flip. I feel like, because I don't necessarily know if he will end up transitioning to safety. If that's even a choice he does make, I, I feel like it is something that he almost has to do. Um, and he's not, ugh, gosh, I don't know how much the combine is going to help him. I'll, I'll just put it that way. I'd like, I, he's got, a, he's got a fair amount going against him already. And I don't know how much this, the combine is going to help him. Yeah. I mean, do you guys think, do you guys think by any chance, do you guys think that maybe if he does perform well at the combine, that they're going to keep him at corner and just to see if he can, or do you guys think that they're just going to be like, you're just going to leave him. Hey, yeah, you're a safety. Like there's no, like that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I think the performance at the combine is going to matter a lot because I think like as a defensive back, uh, uh, the combine matters in my opinion, maybe sometimes, maybe it doesn't. 
it, it really varies. But a guy like Cooper DeGene with so much to prove, especially in press coverage, you got to know what kind of speed you're dealing with here. So I also think if you put him more towards the box, I think versatility in the NFL is the name of the game. So if he is versatile and you can put him in the box and you can put him outside, he can, again, there's a place for him. But it, it really is going to depend how this combine goes. Cornerback is a stretch. I know they're listing him as a cornerback, but it just seems it, it just seems a far fetch that he stays in that position. Well, I mean, they're listing him as a corner because he played that, that's six hundred and thirty snaps <laughs> as, a, as a corner, right? Like, and I agree. Like, he played he one deep, twenty three box, twenty three slot, and I believe it's twenty eight on the D line. So he played all right. over Iowa's defense. So the versatility is there. My thing is, and I actually like your your Tyron Matthew compare comp because he's a little taller than Tyron, a little heavier than Tyron, and Tyron Matthew ran a four five one. So I mean that's a comp, that's a pretty good comp, and I agree with Sammy that his combine is going to be one hundred percent what drives keeps him where he's at or sends him down draft boards because even if he runs a four five, his three cone he has to run the three cone. I think this is one of the corners that has to run a three cone drill to prove that he can make those quick, timely cuts. And he has to be at the top of the board in the three cone. I think he has to be no shit at the end of the day, a top 10 three cone drill guy. Like, I agree. When it's all done, he has to be. He, ha I'm talking like, you know, you think about how good some of these wide receivers are, how shifty some of these guys are. And some of these slot guys that are going to be coming out, you know, Jacob Cowling, Malik Washington. He has to be like Cooper DeGene has to be in the top 10 best three cone drills in this draft to even be considered at this point i in my mind a first round draft pick because if he's if he doesn't run a good three cone and, it, and it's 40 times slow you're drafting a guy to play a position that he's never played right and, and versatility can only help you so so much right i mean i remember when we were describing isaiah simmons as a freak athlete and he was so he's one of the most coveted prospects in the entire NFL draft just because he could play anywhere. And now we're fast forward now. And where has that versatility gotten him? He's got pretty much he didn't work out in Arizona. He went to the New York and we thought he would shine there. Didn't really like versatility can only get you so far. So Cooper De Deshaun really needs to stand out in this combine and he has to stand out quickly because corners come come and go in the NFL. And if he can't, if he can't step up as a corner or even as a safety buddy, you're cooked. And, and you talk about, you know, the corner position is, is literally the most handcuffed position in the NFL, right? You're not getting the calls. You're you're, you're like you, wire receivers can push off on you all day. They can tug on you all day. And, and, you know, you think about, it, you're already playing with one hand behind your back, add in the fact that you're not overly fast. <laughs> and suddenly you're in you're in a bad spot right like mm -hmm. i think his his ball hawking skills the way he reacts to like routes and and where the the quarterback's arm is going not the like before the football even leaves the quarterback's hand really sets him up well to be a safety i like i right. said it perfectly yeah. he has all of the skill sets to be a safety it's just can he make the leap and i think he can play box safety i think you know he's got the size he's i mean he's uh 207 61 so he can come down the box a little bit if you need him to you know, he can guard those tight ends. He's big enough, I think, to guard tight ends. I think he's also good enough to play free safety and let him just roam the back end of the, of, you know, the back third and let him get after it. I think he could be a really, really good player in there. I just don't think he's a he's a top 10 prospect. That's essentially why I think he's his his positionment on this board is my first big knock. Well, that's flat for sure. I don't know why he's so high. He's been there the whole whole offseason. They really love versatility in PFF, I guess, because yeah, there's guess. no there's no reason he should be. I mean, that his, his his his. I will say this about him. All right, his his completion percentage when targeted is is forty three point five percent. His passer rating when targeted is thirty seven point. It's good. It's I mean, great. So the, the, it's there, but you know, at the same time, it's the Big Ten, man. There's no it's, quarterbacks and, and, going and in it's the tape thing. too. Yeah, it's the it's tape all, too. Like you yeah. see, you see, you see the tape. That's like you watch the tape. You can tell he's explosive in spurts, but sometimes he's late to react, and his timing yeah. is an issue. So it that's, that's going to be a problem in the NFL. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. But we're going to move on 
to a guy who doesn't have explosive issues, doesn't have timing issues, and probably, honestly, is one of the most durable wide receivers in this draft next to the guy who I think is a, is like, you know, if you could get this guy at, like, you know, Best Buy, you could go you could go to, like, you know, Newegg and get uh, Joshua Cephas, and they do similar things, and they, they, they look very, like, I know it's crazy. I'll, 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 I did a thing on it. I said he was he was uh, the the poor man's Roma Dunze. They played similar number of snaps. They both had very low drops. They both, you know, like their numbers are comparable and they run similar style of football. And if you don't believe me, Steve Smith even came out and said that this dude was like Roma Dunze. So I'm not just talking out my ass. Steve Smith, and that was months after I said it. So I got to it first, Steve Smith. Don't even try to fucking steal my thunder. <laughs> but we're going to go ahead and talk about Rome Odunze. Now, Honestly, this guy probably could have won the blitz, uh, the blitz the cough. He deserved it. He had a lot of he had a lot of yards. You know, just did insane, insane stuff. He's young. He's twenty one point seven years old. He's six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pounds. So there are a lot. Like, he is the tallest wide receiver next to Marvin Harrison Jr. He's a little heavier than Marvin Harrison Jr. is, um, and he played in one of the most high flying offenses in all of college football at Washington with Michael Penix Jr., who absolutely had a great, great year, but is more of a pure pocket passer, which is why he's not listed up there with some of those other quarterbacks plus health issues. But Rome Odunze, what can we say about this guy? His drop rate is one of the lowest in the league, 3.2%. He only had three drops all year, which is two more than Joshua Cephas. Just saying. (laughs) You're unbelievably terrible, Joe. I know. know. He did have 140 more. He did have 29 more targets than Joshua Cephas. Joshua Cephas Merchant, my goodness. Dude, I am, dude. I'm on that train, right? When he's great in the NFL, (laughs) you remember I said it. But so Uh, Roma Dunze is listed as the third best wide receiver on this board right now for PFF. I honestly believe that he could easily be number two. Um, I don't think he's got quite the skill set that Marvin Harrison Jr. does. I just think Marvin Harrison Jr. is in in a realm of his own, but... I think this guy can line up anywhere on the field you want him to line up. I really, really do. I think he can line up in the slot. I think he, he's already shown that 104 snaps this year. Most of his snaps were out wide, but he can line up anywhere on the field. You can put him in the slot. He's a mismatch because slot corners aren't big enough to guard him. You can put him out wide, and he's going to actually toast people because he's got he can stop on a dime. He's got great hands, explodes towards the ball, you know, like just solid, solid wide receiver. And that you can see that 92 receptions, 1,639 yards, 17 Point eight yards per reception and thirteen touchdowns for a national champion team, na- national championship runner-up team, and he absolutely dominated a pretty stacked schedule. I mean, he played you know some some pretty decent teams. Uh, Oregon, you know, they were there for a while. He played USC. Uh, he got Oregon State, uh, Washington State, Oregon again, Texas, and Michigan. So he went. He ran the gauntlet a little bit against some some of these corners. We know that Oregon's got uh, a couple of guys who are going to be. Uh, drafted at the corner position here. Michigan's got a couple for sure. So there's a, he did not have an easy road because you know he was drawing the best guy and he absolutely showed out. So, I mean, two years in a row, 1,000 yards. Obviously, his touchdowns went up, his yards per reception went up. But Kyle, I'm going to start with you on this one, man. This guy, I feel like if you're drafting in this position, like eight, nine, like I, I just about every mock I run, I, I think that so I, I I was going to do a short, and I didn't because Belichick got found. We uh, the Falcons hired their coach, and it wasn't Bill Belichick. And I had recorded it and got it edited, but I didn't get it posted in time. But my basic my basic thing for the Falcons was sign Bill Belichick, sign Kirk Cousins, draft Roma Dunze, win the NFC South. <laughs> wow, that wow. was a plan. That was. That a plan. Did you see that defense last year? The Falcons were decent on defense. They just didn't have a center, and they're missing yeah, a number right. one and at wide receivers, and so they didn't have a quarterback, and they didn't have a number one wide receiver. So I, I was like, you know, you already got the the running back, you've got an okay enough offensive line. It's not terrible, and you and and you need and all you really need is that number one wide receiver who's going to draw the number one corner and then you've got enough other talent in the wide receiver core to be an explosive offense oh, drake london's great let's not yeah. sleep on him no i mean drake london i think is a solid two they need a one okay romo that's cool. romo dunze is the one I, so like I i have been mocking romo dunze to the falcons no. and then news broke today that the falcons are actually more bought into getting kirk cousins than they are getting justin fields and I'm like, it's all coming together, baby. Go get yourself, 
Go get yourself Kirk Cousins. Go draft Roma Dunze and have the best offense in the NFC South. No doubt. No doubt. And it, it makes so much sense because Roma Dunze, oh gosh, we've been talking about it. He is so damn good. I saw a quote that he had just dropped at the combine of, yeah, 50-50 balls are more like 100-0 balls for me. And it's true. Like, he is a contested catch machine. You see it's 75%, not necessarily 100, but that's ridiculous. The drop rate, there's so much to love about Roma Dunze's game. If you are picking within that, like, 7 to 10 range and Roma Dunze is there and you need a 1, this is your guy. He is phenomenal, had just such a great season, and you can see the position versatility playing in the slot, playing out wide. It is so so exciting to, to have the idea that maybe my Bears could get Roma Dunze if they end up going with like a Caleb Williams at one, which I don't love, but I digress. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to me. And I, I honestly think, so I we talked about this in, in part one. I said Malik Neighbors projected more to the slot. I, I, I think that he is a little lighter. He's a little shorter. I don't know, you know, if how physical corners are at, and man impress if he's got the the ability to, to really line up outside on a consistent basis and win, I think he's got good release skills that could translate and be and help him win those, those one-on-ones on the outside. Uh, I just, I think that he's a little shorter and he's actually my wide receiver three. I have Romo Dunze in my book higher than Malik neighbors. Um, I, I, I really, really do because of that. I think, I think Romo Dunze has a size to line up anywhere you want him to line up. I think, I think Malik neighbors, is going to get shoeholed into being a, more of a inside guy because even though he's at the speed out there, you just need him to be able to have a clean release. He needs to have a clean release to be able to use that speed, and I think that kind of hinders him in where he can line up, whereas Roma Dunze, put him wherever you want in the formation, he's going to be a mismatch. They're going to have to find him in, in game plan form and line up for him. That's the kind of wide receiver I think Roma Dunze is. I think Malik Neighbors, you're going to know where to find him. He's going to be in the slot. <laughs> but... You know, Sammy, I'll go to you on this one, man. If you had to choose between Roma Dunze and Malik Neighbors, which one you taken, and what what do you love about a Dunze's game? Okay, so I, I just want to make sure I'm reading this right because this doesn't even seem real. I think the average contest, a, a great contested catch rate, is like over fifty percent. This That's man has twenty five percent over fifty percent. <laughs> So like, what are we really doing here? Like, <laughs> like I, I really like I really like Malik Neighbors. I think after the catch, he's probably the best in the draft. But if we're talking at the catch point, if we're talking about a great release as a route runner, Marvin Harrison Jr. If he doesn't exist, Roma Dunze is going like second overall. That's how good this cat is. But it's as simple as Marvin Harrison Jr. exists. So that so we have to live that in that reality. What my comfort Roma Dunze, my comfort Roma Dunze, ironically, and it wasn't even it, it was actually not wasn't even my comp. It was actually Brett Coleman's comp. I'm a Brett Coleman merchant. He said his comp with De- was DeAndre Hopkins, and I absolutely see it. Like his the way he contorts his body to make some of these catches, how aggressive he is. My only gripe with him is his explosiveness, and it's a very small gripe. His explosiveness after the catch. I think that's something that we we haven't really seen, but it doesn't really matter if you're bringing bringing the ball in. It doesn't. So it doesn't matter what you do after the catch. If exactly. You always Look, I love. I, mind yeah. you, mind <laughs> you, mind you. I think Malik Neighbors is one thousand percent a top ten pro- prospect. Yeah, I don't, I'm not. I'm not here to 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 crap on him. What I am saying is, and I'm not saying there's a huge gap, but there is a gap between Roma Dunze and Malik Neighbors, in my opinion. The, look. All catches lead to Rome. I'm on this hype trim 1,000 percent, and 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 quite frankly, look, I don't know why he's even eight. What is this? Hold on, let me see this. I'm gonna check on my laptop real quick. How is this man? Look, I understand. I, I love Joe Alt. I love Joe Alt, and I understand why he's that high. I think Roma Dunze is a better prospect. That's how high on I am on him. Yeah. So, and, well, and let's you, be fair here. We can back this up real quick for you, Sammy. You 1,000. You can 1,000% argue. I'm not saying that like like Joe Alt, I'm not saying that it's like a clearing at all. I think it's very close, but Roma Dunze is that good in my opinion. He, he's that good. I think he's a wide receiver one. I like the Falcons. I do. 
Um, I, I don't know what other I, – I forget what other teams are in the top 10 that would be happy to take him. If he falls to the Chargers, the Chargers are taking him. I hope you guys know. If, that, that's number five. That would be the fifth. He's going fifth overall then. I think he's going <laughs> – and you guys heard me – heard it here first. If the charge the Chargers are picking two players, it's either Brock Bowers or it is Roma Dunze. It is neither – no one else. I promise you it won't. So you I heard it here I've been using PFF's uh, mock, you know, mock draft simulator a little bit here. And uh, there are two things that usually happen. The two things are the Chargers try to trade up with the Patriots at three and take MHJ. My goodness. In which case, Roma Dunce goes fourth overall. Or, and then Malik, Na- Malik Neighbors or Roma Dunce go four, number four overall to the Cardinals. Or the Patriots say at three, take a quarterback. And... The Cardinals take MHJ and the Chargers take Roma Dunze or Malik Neighbors. So it's it's very, very possible. But I do think whichever one falls to, to this sort of spot in the draft, the the Falcons are going to have their shot at them. And I think that either one would be better or, or would be good. I think that Roma Dunze is just better. But to back up Sammy's point here, just how good Roma Dunze is. He was first in deep catches, first in deep yards, and first in contested catches in the NCAA. My goodness. Like that that's that's literally like stats <laughs> usually are not how how we dictate college athletes at all. But if there was anything that dictated that Roma Dunze is a top 5 over is a if a, a top 5 prospect, that is it right there. If you're looking for a stat, that's it right there. There it is. It really is. And that's why I I'm actually a huge Roma Dunze believer. I think that he's going to be very very good. I think that, you know, as far as, as as the things he can do, it the, he, like you said, Sammy said it best. If MHJ didn't, or was it you, Kyle, that said if MHJ, MHJ didn't exist, <laughs> Odunze would be the best wide receiver in this draft. And the numbers are there to prove it, all right? He led the NCAA, if I'm not mistaken, in yards. He led the NCAA, if I'm not mistaken, in deep catches, as we just saw, and deep catch yards, and so contested good. catches, and as Sammy said, Anything over a 50, 50 or 50% uh, conversion rate on 50-50 balls in contested catches is good. And he's 25% above the good mark. So that is, in, in without really needing to say anything else, uh, great. So, yeah, I'm a big Roma Dunze believer. I'm right there with you. But we're going to move on to a guy who could be lining up against Roma Dunze next season. And that is Nate Wiggins, who I actually is, is cornerback 1B for me. That is CB1B right there. I, I I am still a big Quinion Mitchell fan out of Toledo. I think that Quinion Mitchell is the second coming of Darrell Rivas. The guy is a just glues to people. He plays really good man coverage. He runs really, really fast. Darrell he Rivas. dude. No, literally look at so him. High. Look, look, look at Quinion. Go look at I want Quinion you to Mitchell. understand what you're saying when you say Darrell dude, Rivas. I really hope Quinion you understand. Mitchell. The name no. Darrell Rivas dude. has a very special burning hatred in you Please. yeah i get it i know he was a jet Please. for a very long Please. time and then Please. he was a and then he was a patriot <laughs> we're talking we're talking about we're talking about a guy who literally at one point shut down every single hall of fame elite receiver you could possibly throw at him for one year that's Quinion. like yeah like Quinion, when you're saying that about Quinion mitchell i hope you know what you're saying because darrell Revis. Look, man, Ross Gardner so, got that company. Not even he really compares to Darrell. So let, let so. me let me just say this real quick. Quinion Mitchell at the Reese Senior Bowl practices and one-on-ones. Now, anyone who knows football knows that one-on-ones are purposely geared for the wide receiver to win. You are you are a very good corner if you do not lose a one-on-one. If you don't lose one one-on-one, you are pretty good at your job as a corner because you are supposed to lose. There's no help. You're by yourself on an island, and they can run whatever the fuck they want, right? Quinion Mitchell covered people in one-on-ones at the Reese Senior Bowl practice so well that he looked bored while doing it. It was effortless. He was glued to these guys. Also, if you're if you're a forty guy, which I'm not, Nate Wiggins ran a four two eight at six foot two one eighty five. Quinion Mitchell at six foot one ninety five ran a four three three. <laughs> they are literally lightning fast 
and they glue to people. Hold on, hold on. You said a four three three at six one two nine one ninety five. One ninety five. Yeah. What the heck? Yes. What kind of what? No, that's not right. No. That's what I'm telling you, bro. This dude is what? is is insane. Okay, now no, I remember. No, I'm looking this up. no, no, no. This is real. <laughs> Here, I, I tell you what. I tell you what. We're we're going off the reservation right now because Quinion Mitchell is number twelve on this big board, but we're gonna scroll down to him. Here's Quinion. Oh Mitchell. boy, here we go. Yo, the glazing is crazy. We're glazing <laughs> some Quinion Mitchell to today, baby. No, hold on. Go back to go back to Nate Wiggins, the poor guy. Come on. <laughs> Here we go. He was third and forced in completions, 11 coverage stops, and he had average depth of target of 12.3 yards. He is an 88.7 man coverage grade with a 43.5% completion percentage. His zone coverage grade is also 85.9, and his coverage grade overall is 91.6 with a run defense grade of 76.1. So this guy can play every single thing you want. In the and last two years, he's had six year. picks. Six picks. He is... He has had an average uh, quarterback or passer rating of under 50 combined in the last two years. <laughs> he is an absolute monster. I tell you, Roman Wilson had probably one of the best senior bowl weeks of practice of anybody. Quinion Mitchell made Roman, like, Roman Wilson disappeared when he covered him. That's how good Quinion Mitchell was. So he ran a 4-3-3, did all that, and he runs routes for people, has great anticipation, and reacts to the ball before it even leaves the quarterback's hand consistently. This guy is a fucking problem. And when I say he could be the second coming of Darrell Rivas, I 100% mean it. This is a instant day one CB1 in the league. Now that I've now glazed <laughs> that so my much, goodness. we're going to go to my 1B corner. Crazy. One, yes. That was crazy. Okay, Nate Wiggins, let's do it. Yeah, so now we're going to go to my 1B corner. <laughs> Nate wow, Wiggins. that was crazy. And Nate Wiggins, you know, he's comparable. But if you look at those numbers, comparably to what I just showed you for Quinion Mitchell, <laughs> Yo, this is they're crazy. just not quite Dude. as good. No, no, Sammy, you need to understand this. No, Sammy, listen, it's Quinion Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I'm not, it's I, like, I, okay, I, I'm it's sorry. I'm sorry. No, I, no, 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 look, don't apologize to me. Apologize to Nate Wiggins. This was Nate the most of time. <laughs> Nate Wiggins, I'm sorry. You are my one D corner. And if, if Cooper DeGene wasn't listed at fucking seven, I could talk about both of these guys without having to fucking drop back to 12th and then hop back up to nine. But Cooper DeGene's seven, so we have to fucking do this. All right. Now Nate Wiggins, ultra fast guy. He's a little, he's a little under undersized at 185. That's the biggest question with him is that he's he's kind of just a smaller guy. I mean, he's 6'2", lean frame, only 185 pounds, but he's lightning fast. I wonder how the physicality is going to get there at the catch point. I feel like, you know, bigger wide receivers are going to bully him a little bit. I think that if he does match up with a Roma Dunze or, you know, some of these larger bodied wide receivers that are in the NFL right now, that Nate Wiggins is going to have a problem. I think he's going to get bullied because he is only 185. I do think, however, that on a deep ball where it's just him and another guy running with each other and it's a little overthrown for the wide receiver, Nate Wiggins is going to run out there and get that motherfucker. So <laughs> he's lightning fast. He has a lot of good traits about him. He's just not my number one corner in this draft. And it's probably my, it, you know, what's messed up is that both of the things I've had a problem with PFS board are at the cornerback position. <laughs> is that is that a little that, i mean what the hell i think it's only because you're just such a quinion mitchell glazer that it really like like if we're being completely look i want to get this off my chest about nate wiggins he played for clemson and he 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 did very very well against our, my miami hurricanes um he he did the only touchdown he did allow though it was against us so i, I will say that and i will digress there I think the fascinating part about Nate Wiggins is his speed and how he can control his speed. I think you feel like like when he when he's when he's when it comes to a deep route, he'll roll with that deep route. If the wide receiver stops on a dime, he's gonna be right with him. And that kind of coverage is insane. Now, his size is a big, big, big issue, in my opinion, because I feel like if he presses it's if he presses, it's gonna be a little bit like scary. Like I, I, I'll, I'll straight up like make it blunt. It's gonna be some oh. George Pickens type stuff. <laughs> yeah, like like I think I think yeah, like that's it's gonna be like that level. But I think he needs to. I think he will bulk up. I think the team is gonna 
like try to get him to bulk up a bit. And maybe the size doesn't matter. We saw Devontae Smith go go to the go like what like sixth overall, and he ended up being just fine. So now the difference is that they play both very different positions. So obviously <laughs> there's a big difference there. But I, I will say, <clears throat> excuse me, I will say that Nate Wiggins, the fact that he's his size, right? And I'm talking about the, the fact that he's at that, this frame and has been able like 6'2", 185 is not necessarily ideal, but he makes it work. And and I think that's very important. I, I feel like if he can make if he if gaining this weight makes him slower and he can't react as quick, then don't change it. But at the same time, if on the if at the line when it comes to press and he gets jammed and it's over for him and you could just go around and you could just out muscle him and get wherever you want, that's a problem. So Nate Wiggins, I think he's actually my cornerback one for this class. I think that he was my cornerback one. But again, I think Quinion Mitchell is not that far off at all either. But Nate Wiggins, in my opinion, this draft class for corners in general, it really doesn't have other than apparently Quinion Mitchell, a really solid, a really solid cornerback one that I can say, hey, if we draft this guy, we have our corner. Quinion Mitchell's good. I think he's, I think he's even great. I just think that, and I think this is unfair. I want to see him do it against the, the NFL level because I feel like Toledo is definitely a school. So I think we gotta we gotta see it. Look, no disrespect to you, Toledo fans. I, I just think that we gotta see it at the Senior Bowl was great for him. I think the Senior Bowl really helped. We gotta see it at the NFL level, and I, I think that's why his school is really keeping him from like going up higher. I think that's why you're higher on him, Joe, than a lot of people are going to be. Yeah, it's possible. Just remember, Darrell Revis went to University of Pittsburgh. He's not like a world killer over there either. So it's not I mean, easy to see school, you know. <laughs> I mean, but it's fucking Pittsburgh, right? It's fucking Pitt. It's, it's, I get it. Look, no, no, look, offense, look. no offense to University of Pittsburgh fans. Yeah, Randy Moss go to Marshall. Let me digress. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm <laughs> saying. Like, 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 hey, come on, man. You can't dog some dude for where he went to school. I mean, that's like, true. Like, that's true. Say, if you go somewhere and you dominate, you dominate. Yeah, that's true. That's how I feel about it. We saw it with Sauce Gardner. So exactly. We saw with, with yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of how I feel. I, like I said, Nate Wiggins is my one B. I, I didn't say he was a two. He's one B. Like I wasn't like shitting on him. I'm just saying, yeah, I, know, I, know, I, know. <laughs> I just feel like the fact that you just left Nate Wiggins to dry and just completely did a breakdown. To be, on fair, Mitchell. To, to be fair, if I had, if you had not looked at me, like I was had a dick grown out of my forehead when I said what I said, I never would have went on this little Quinion Mitchell. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, this is all your fault. Sammy. It's all your fault. Okay, well, sure, yeah. Just blame me. I think Sammy and I have dominated the conversation on Nate Wiggins a little too much here, so I'm going to go ahead and let you do your take completely uninterrupted. Oh, my God. that was There was a lot to unpack in all of that. But let's talk about Nate Wiggins a little bit. He, to me, if – let's do a little bit of a comparison here, all right? If we say Quinion Mitchell is – Christian Gonzalez. Nate Wiggins would be the Emmanuel Forbes of this draft. Undersized, wild, (laughs) wild speed. He is insanely fast. And he's got some good technique. The biggest concern is just that run defense grade for me. Not necessarily something you want to see out of, you know, a top 10 overall prospect. And yes, Nate Wiggins, if he goes to a, you know, decent defense where he has, you know, guys around him that can support him he can do some real damage like don't get it twisted he can be a ball hawk out deep and i think that if he goes to the right situation he will absolutely end up being a steal of a pick for a cornerback but he's got to go to i i think he's got to go to a defense that already has you know a big physical corner that can take some of the hits that nate wiggins cannot um one more thing, Quinion Mitchell. Um, My God. Sammy, you want to tell me that the corner, who was the number one corner last year, the number one corner this year, is not cornerback one in the draft? 
That's no. all NCAA. Okay. <laughs> okay. Recently, yes, no. To be fair on Nate Wiggins, he did lock Nate up. Wiggins is a damn good player, man. Let's Nate Wiggins is still a good player. Nate Wiggins did have to go up against at least, at least four wide receivers who are going to be drafted in the first three rounds. You yeah, like Johnny that, Wilson was was Johnny Wilson and game. and uh, uh, Keon Coleman at Florida State. He went up against Xavier Restapro at Montez Walker too. Yeah, Montez Walker, Xavier Leggett. So there, and like I said, I mentioned Restapro because you were talking about we were talking about the Hurricane. So I had to mention Restapro for you, even though he Restapro. But yeah, I got you, Joe. Don't hey man, worry. hey, I'm uncultured. I can't pronounce. <laughs> I know. I know. An education <laughs> show. Uh, education hey, show. this is a teachable moment. <laughs> Rest, ahead, like Jalot, like 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 no, Restrepo. Sure. Restrepo. Okay. No, yeah. Okay, you know what? I can't I'm do it. I can't do it, man. I, yeah, okay. have, I need it. I need it phonetically. I need the. Yeah, yeah. It. You just need it in your blood, and you don't yeah. have it. So it's I don't okay. have it. I don't have it. So we're gonna move on to number ten, the last spot. Even though we've already talked about twelve. <laughs> my goodness. Which is probably he's actually my tackle two in this draft. Hmm. It's it's Talise Fuaga. I think that I saw him at the Reese Senior Bowl, and he, without a doubt, looked like everything you want in a tackle. Absolutely dominant. I mean, honestly, like the only reason I didn't talk about him as much as, as I talked about some of the tackles that I think are going to go later in the draft, who I am very high on, who are also at the Reese Senior Bowl, is because I honestly believe that there's just no shot that that you know he like goes number one tackle, but. It's the same thing with with what I was saying about what we said about Roma Dunze and Marvin Harrison Jr. If Joe Alt is not in this draft, Talise Fuaga is tackle one. And, you know, he's he's got similar similar traits. He's 21, just like Joe Walt. He's 6'6", six, six, two inches shorter than Joe Walt, and he's 334, like 12 pounds heavier than Joe Walt. And he moves very, very well. I mean, there's very few people in this Look at those grades. Draft. Yeah, in this draft, that do the things he, he's done. He is not allowed to sack in three years. <laughs> <laughs> Think about Zero. That. Not funny. a single fucking one. <laughs> wow. Right? Like, can you imagine being that damn good at your job? <laughs> he does like, have a good amount of hurries, though. He does have a good amount of hurries. 18 is, good... is there. Yeah, 18 is there. But still, in three years, if all you told, like, he played, he played over, over, 1500 snaps he played over 700 pass block snaps and in or and in that amount he only gave up 18 hurries and five hits <laughs> and he did it all at the right tackle position sammy <laughs> you know what so, man <laughs> you know what man no nah, i'm not gonna say it go ahead bro. keep going i'm gonna i'm so, not gonna so if you have a left-handed quarterback <laughs> <laughs> and you want to protect his blind side. Oh my god. This is your tackle one. <laughs> it is. This like he's played his entire career at right tackle. I don't I don't care. We I want Joe Alt. I want him now. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. Look, Fuaga's great. He he is great. But I couldn't help I couldn't help but notice this. And I'm not gonna dominate the conversation too much because I think I'm more of a I have a more of a negative point of view for Fuaga. I think he when he's run blocking, he kind of struggles to connect when he has to move. Like, as in when he gets to the second level, he doesn't really connect. That bothers me. It really does. And I think as, a, and I think, you know, defenders on the, I know what it says. I see zero sacks before you guys, I, I see it. Okay. I see also see 18 hurries. I feel like he does get beat a bit. Um, I feel like he like gets beat with his hands a lot, but regardless of that, I think as a guard, I think as a guard, he'd be really damn good, and I'd probably have a higher grade on him. That's me personally. I know what you're thinking. Sam, you're an idiot. I am, but hear me out. I think I think, I think, think Flaga at the guard would be a much more powerful force. I, I, don't, I don't think he's played reps at guard at all, and that's completely fine. But when I see him play, I see more guard than I see tackle and it's kind of weird my thought process about this is is kind it's kind of just i see the tape and i'm like man if he were like i feel like he doesn't cloak like he doesn't move too well in space but when it comes to that bang bang pause he moves a bit quicker <laughs> so i don't i i think 
I'm not going to dominate the conversation any longer. I think Olu, in my opinion, I think is a bit better. Not that much better. I think Joel is head and shoulders above. I like Fuego. I think he's uh, tackle three. I just think he's a bit more. I just think, you know, I, for whatever reason, I think as a guard, he works better. I, I don't know what it is. And when I see the tape, I just, I just see a guard. He'd be a very large guard at six six. He would. He would, be a right? Monster. Yeah. All right. But you know, you're not. You're not. You're young. I'll tell you that much. You're not far off. All right. Like I'm going to be honest with you. There is a history of guards being taken very highly in the draft. There are no shit. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve guards dating back to 1941 <laughs> who have been taken in the first draft. In fact. The last one was Leonard Davis in 2001 at pick two. You also have guys like John Hanna, 1973, pick four. So there is a standard for guards being higher. And if Sammy, this question is for you. If Uaga was a guard with these numbers, how high would you be willing to take him? Because you said your grade would be higher on him and he's number 10. I think he'd stay. I think he'd be. Am I going to pick him over Roma Dunze? I think he'd be top seven. How about that? I think he'd be top seven. Okay. I think I think he'd be over. I think he'd be over. I think he'd be then be over Olu for me as a as a offensive lineman prospect. I think he'd be the best guard prospect in the entire draft by far. So I, that's where I stand on. But again, this is more semantics. I I don't think he's going to transition to guard at all. It's just what I kind of see when I watch him play, when I watch the tape. So. If he becomes a tackle and he becomes an all pro, by all means, burn me at the stake. But I think when I watch the tape at Oregon State and the teams that he played against, by the way, he has a play against some stuffed competition at Oregon State. Man. Really he has, good at UCLA has a good pack. I think his name is Latu. He, I mean, he probably had to do a lot to get, you know, a good grade against him. So I, I when I see him play, I think guard. I think he'd be a top seven prospect right now. He's top for me, top like 15. So it's, 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 it's weird for me. I, I, I'm having a bit of a, I have a more of an unorthodox opinion on, on Fuego than most. I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest. Theo Ash also posted a video that kind of solidified my point. And I was kind of like, this is a sign. Let me bring it up in the podcast. So <laughs> I knew you guys would bring, I, I, I think I know you guys would like, you know, look at me with that kind of face. It's kind of interesting, though, because he reminds me a little bit of Tevin Jenkins, who the Bears drafted as a tackle and then kicked him over into guard. And he's been a mauler at guard. Yeah, and exactly. I can honestly, I can honestly see a world where, you know, we get we we get a kind of similar situation. He gets kicked over to guard. It just, ah, I don't know. It depends on. It depends on, I guess, where he ends up going. Because if there's a clear and desperate need for right tackle, Fuaga has to be your right tackle. He's done. He's done the work. He has been consistently right. great. No, yeah. Over the, you know, over those three years. But if you are drafting him more as an offensive lineman, you can plug him into a guard situation and get a really, really good guard. I actually really, really like that. And Sammy, like you said, that you know that strength of schedule that he went up against. There were some dog pass rushers in the pack 12 don't get it twisted and he did very very well and overperformed when he went against like terrible competition like cu a terrible defensive line that they had but i digress i really do think fuaga is a great offensive line prospect like you said that's actually a great way of putting it he's a great offensive line prospect could take some lumps maybe as a tackle which is weird to say i know but there is a difference between edge rushers in college edge rushers in the nfl edge rushers in the nfl are wicked fast they have bend and if you don't have like sammy like you said if you don't have that technique those winning with your hands as it were you can get you can get your lumps pretty quick yeah i mean you're you guys are both right i mean i i think that fuaga to me i haven't like i haven't missed tackle too i think that he could be a right tackle i think that's because in most of the times in the nfl your best pass rusher yeah. is very rarely on the right side of the ball so he'd be going up against a number two pass rusher in most situations, which let's be fair. Some, there's very few teams that their number two pass rusher is a world ender. I think the only one really team you could say had that this year was the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> but, nice. um, you know, I, I, I like Fuaga. I think that he's got that capability. I think at guard, that's terrifying. That's, that's a massive human being working on the interior. And you think about like 
him going up against a defensive tackle at his size and weight. The only thing that concerns me is leverage. How fast can you get out of a three-point stance? Because if you remember in college, these guys aren't asked to put their hand in the ground a lot. No. So, so right. getting so getting out of his getting out of a three-point stance, um, having played guard a little bit, uh, I was not good at getting out of three-point stance. If I could have my hand off the ground, I played very well. If I had my hand on the ground, I was slow as shit because I couldn't get my body up and out of the three-point stance and and didn't have that from that position meant have the explosiveness needed to do that. That's kind of what comes into the question when you do to a transition like that. There's some of the technique things that you have to remember. Plus you're, 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 you know, as a technique, as a guard, there's a lot more that goes on in the interior offensive line than people realize you have to be very, very gap sound. I think as a tackle, you're not always so concerned with gap. You're kind of just making sure that you protect the edge and you drive the guy upfield. Like it's very, I wouldn't say it's simpler to play tackle because you have a lot to deal with. But it's you don't have to play inside a structure as much as I would say you do at guard. But no, Talise Fawaga, I think, is 100% a top 10 talent. Uh, I, I I can see how, you know, Olu might be, uh, uh, you know, possibly a little better than him uh, in certain situations and, and, and what's going on here. So, I mean, there's it is absolutely surprising to me that we all have the same feeling on a lot of these guys. And then the cornerback position, I was the only one who's like, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Kyle, I'll go ahead and let you wrap this up for us, man. That is our top 10 for PFF. That's their top 10 big boy right there. There you have it. There, th- this draft is just so exciting because there's so much depth and you can get a lot of talent all over this draft. Like, don't get it twisted here, people. We are going to be going into the weeds. Joe has already been doing some deep dives into some of these later round prospects. There is going to be so much more draft content coming up, y'all. We're going to start doing mock drafts. We're going to start doing all these crazy hypotheticals. Yes, I can't wait. Everybody's lying to everybody, so we're going to fill in the gaps and try and be future tellers. But until the next time, it has been so great hanging out with y'all on the Gridiron segment. That is Joe. That is Sammy. My name is Kyle. Until the next time, peace. With the release of J.C. Jackson, the Patriots take the number one spot on the cap space leaderboard.